0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the present-day Leafs podcast with myself, Andrew Pillick, and downtown Stephen Brown. How's it going, man?
1: It's going pretty good, Andrew. I worked a very long shift today at work. I cut some Christmas trees, uh, so my sweater had a bunch of pine needles all over it. I smelled like Christmas tree the entire day. I'm getting festive, um, as I'm sure some other people are. Uh, yeah. s- some good moods going around. Christmas is getting closer, and you know what? The Leafs are playing a lot better. Yeah,
0: and uh, you could say that Christmas came early for Leafs fans, or some Leafs fans, because there is a big move that we uh, probably need to talk about that happened, but before we get into that, I just want to say uh, thank you all to the people that were are supporting on YouTube for this podcast, but we are now on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, I believe that's what they go by now. Uh, for apple wise but you guys can check out the links i'll put it on my channel but we're also going to be promoting more on twitter and stuff like that so make sure to review it give it five stars if you like it but be honest with your reviews we we just want you know your honesty and stuff like that but thank you for the support make sure to download it and listen you know wherever you can and we'll probably have more places that you can listen to it as time goes on but again it's on youtube spotify uh, Apple Podcasts. We're going to have more places, I'm sure. And uh, Podbean as well, right? Technically, it's on there, too? Yes, it's
1: on Podbean, and I believe it's also on Google Play. Okay, so we're
0: everywhere. Alright, so so we're, we got some links for you guys. We're going to have to get those updated. Maybe we should make a Twitter for, for our podcast, too, so that way we can just post it everywhere. So, alright, but uh, do you want to talk about Babcock first, or what, what do you want to do? Yes,
1: here? you mentioned Christmas came early for Leaf fans, and I think everyone was pretty much at the point where They had to fire him right like there there was there's no there was no getting around it the team was abysmal this season they lost their step the identity of this team for the last couple of years has been to play really heavy offense you know to be to outscore the other team and that's not what they were doing and it's not just this season either people keep forgetting this is a trend that dates back this entire calendar year for the entire all of 2019 going back to January of last season as well throughout the playoffs and whatnot. And you know what today on the broadcast, they were talking about um, how the Maple Leafs runoff has really liked uh, the playoffs and the playoffs probably extended Mike Babcock's tenure here and gave him um, that these extra 22 or 23 games or whatever it was uh, this season before finally getting fired. And I don't know. They said that they really liked specifically Game Five. They said that if they could replicate the way that they played in Game Five against the Boston Bruins through and through, then they would be really happy with it. But obviously, they weren't able to uh, through this season. And I mean, it's unfortunate. Let's let's just say that it's it's unfortunate. I'm not I'm not celebrating that Mike Babcock got fired. I'm not celebrating a man losing his job, right, Andrew? Yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah, we're not for sure. l- like we're not doing that um but also from looking but we're also not we're also not blind to uh, the yeah. problems that were that was that, that were going on and this is something that needed to be done so um do you want to talk about anything else with mike babcock
0: well i i just wanted to to touch on this because i'm sure we we might have this clipped because we again like if you are listening to this podcast uh and it's not a YouTube thing. If you want to actually watch us talk, like some of this stuff is clipped and put on YouTube. And if you're watching this right now on YouTube, this is kind of weird. But um, the one thing I want to say specifically to some of the YouTube comments, where people are saying, "Oh, you know, Andrew, stop saying that you're okay with the move and you feel bad for Babcock." Uh, guys, like I, I really do feel bad for the man. Like I think people have this all wrong, and I think some people have it wrong in terms of other people. I am not dancing and celebrating that Babcock was fired. As a fan of hockey, this move needed to happen. As a person, I wish Mike Babcock all the best, and I've said it many times. He, you know, He's so forward when it comes to mental health and making sure his players are good. Look what he did for Matthews last year, and he was doing that with Marner. He brought him on this trip, and unfortunately, Babcock got fired as Marner was obviously coming in for the trip. But he believes in having his injured players, especially the young ones, come along to, you know, be around the guys and not be alone, uh, I don't, regardless I don't of the mean situation. To, I,
1: I don't mean to cut you off, Andrew, but that was something that Lou Lamorello had, where if you were injured or you were a scratch or you weren't on the actual roster, like, you weren't traveling with the team. But Mike yeah. Babcock believed that that was important for those guys to be there.
0: Yeah, so, like adding that, which is a really good point, it's like you could tell Babcock really cared. And, you know, there are some some comments that we're going to get to in a bit, but uh, I think for the most part, Babcock has his heart in the right place. But uh, the problem was is as the Leafs were growing and as the game was changing, Mike Babcock was not. And you can't that can't happen and again i'm gonna repeat it i am not sitting here celebrating and much like downtown stephen brown said it's like you you can't you can't sit here and, and celebrate a, a man losing his job because i you know if that was somebody in my family or if it was myself uh, i wouldn't want to uh, or a friend like i wouldn't want to see that person hurting and i'm sure it it sucks it's the first time he was fired i believe in his entire career yeah like in correct. the nhl at least so Um, Again, like we wish, you know, from this podcast, uh, we definitely wish him all the best. And obviously, he's probably not listening to this. But um, if if you are Mike, you know, we wish you all the best. And and the message to Leaf fans, don't dance when this man just lost his job. Let's be respectful about this. And uh, the Leafs are going to move on with Sheldon Keefe. and, And it was the right move.
1: And also, I mean, to point out, like, we're not saying, like, Babcock was a really great coach in this league and and internationally for a really long time. Like, you don't luck into 700 wins. You don't luck into two Olympic gold medals. You don't, you don't, you don't just, you don't just trip and fall into winning a Stanley Cup. I mean, even if Nicholas Littstrom and Pavel Datsuk and Henrik Zetterberg are on your team, you don't, you don't trip and fall and have that happen to you just by accident. So, yeah we're not dancing on we're not dancing over the fact that mike babcock got got fired but the question that i'm posing to you andrew are the players happy that mike babcock got fired because there seemed to be um some some conversation going on on twitter and like i'll i'll repeat this uh because I, thought, because I thought a lot of people took to it and it was good. You know, Twitter's not everything. You know, if you're just getting your opinions from there and whatnot, you're probably doing a disservice to yourself. It's good to get outside perspective and whatnot. But Mike Commodore, who's, um, act, who's an active um, hater of Mike Babcock, let's just put it that way. Um, he's always very, very critical of Babcock, sometimes in not so polite ways. Um, yeah. Uh, But he posted a picture on his Twitter account um, yesterday of Mike Babcock packing up his truck behind his condo, and a lot of people were replying, oh, that's really creepy, and stuff like that. Mike Commodore didn't take that picture, so he's not stalking Mike Babcock around. Someone sent him that, and he posted it on his Twitter, and maybe you might not think that that's good taste. Yeah. But Mark Frazier, who's a former Maple Leafs defenseman for a couple of seasons dating back to the Carlisle years, uh, Chan Jin on Twitter and had this to say. Uh, anyone who thinks Mike Commodore needs to lay off Babs just doesn't understand how much hate players have for him. It's beyond him scratching Commodore or saying he was out of shape. NHL players are a very small population of athletes and people. We share stories throughout the years with each other, and for those outside the locker rooms, you will never truly understand some of the terrible undeserving things babs has done to some of his players you don't have to like all your coaches but he is one who 95 percent of the players can't say a good thing about now mm. i don't know maybe that's mark frazier just talking to a very selective group of players maybe mark frazier is right i really liked his perspective i thought he was really candid with his answer um he didn't um, he didn't use, you know, he was very, he was very professional in what he was saying. He just, he spoke, he spoke his mind, and he said his truth. Yeah. Right. I now, mean, w- what are your thoughts on what Mark Frazier had to say here?
0: I would just like to point out that I don't really like the style that Mike Commodore goes about his business. Like, I mean, I, I just don't think it's a, it's a great thing the way that he, he's, you know, his. His curse words. Let's just say he says a couple too many of those, and we all do. But I think that he uses them a little bit too much and towards people. And uh, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to agree with me, but I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, Mark Fraser, I think, like you said, came about this the right way, where it's like he wasn't like freaking out and making it seem like he was just going crazy. Um, honestly, like I'm not even like I'm not even joking when I say this. I think it'd be really cool if we could contact Mark Frazier just to see, you know, maybe to get more insight. I I don't even know if he would say no. Like I honestly think he would probably be a decent person to try to get on here. Um we we do wanna have guests eventually on here. Um Mm -hmm. and especially if it's a former NHL player with insight into stuff like this, but I really do believe that he he was he was honest and had a, a good opinion about it because he you know he does have probably a lot of contacts within the NHL especially guys that are probably his good friends and you can't really you can't really knock the guy because he didn't come out here and say make up a bunch of stuff he literally just stated his truth and he went about his business so we'll have to see you know maybe more players Come out and say something, but which would really suck, I think, for Babcock. Honestly, I kind of hope that doesn't happen. But if it's stuff that's like really beyond like bad, then like maybe it has to come out. But I well, mean, cancel culture is crazy these days, man. Like, could you imagine if some a bunch of players come out against Babcock? Like, it, it, this could like that, really take that, him out of the that game. That would
1: be that would be insane. But then again, how many of us have good working relationships with our bosses like how like how many of us are best friends with our bosses and whatnot right like they're always striving to push us uh, maybe maybe not in the best of ways and when you're sharing close quarters and whatnot like with the players and babcocks are it's easy for someone to get on your nerve especially for someone who has that type of power and that type of authority and we saw a lot of people in the organization when dj smith left uh there was a players poll and dj smith was loved Right. He was was talked about as being the good guy in that locker room. He was there for the players all the time. So I don't know if Mike Babcock just plays good cop, bad cop with his assistant coaches and maybe he just puts on that play or that role. So then and so then everyone's like, you know, like, what the hell's wrong with that guy? And then the assistant coaches get to come in and be, you know, good, good guys for all the players and whatnot. You know, it's it's hard. It's hard to be to be liked and, and loved by many. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm not
0: sure the, of course, like we're not in the locker room and like we don't know, but like the fact that Babcock is so like pro like mental health advocate and stuff like that. I just, I don't see how it could get to the extreme, but then again, you never know. Like we don't, we like legitimately don't know until we get insight from players and I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm going to contact some NHL players. Hopefully Mark Frazier would respond. Uh, His DMs aren't open. I just checked, but Uh, Maybe I'll send him a tweet, but I'd love to hear from some players that played for Babcock and it would be crazy if we got, you know, different opinions. You know what I mean? If there's some good, some bad, then, you know, it's just like a hit and miss thing with certain players. But
1: and of course, of course, at this time in Mike Babcock's career, he's very vulnerable right now. It's really easy to dump on the guy after getting fired for the first time in his professional career that spans almost 20 years. Right. Like this is this. You know, it's not. It's it's not a time where, and I mean, it's not like the Maple Leafs we're gonna come out and badmouth them either, or anything like that. No. But it's easy to see. You know, that first game in Arizona, come on, it's really easy to see all the players smiling and all jacked up and stuff like that. You hear the quotes after the game talking about, oh, we're playing free and easy now. And, you know, Tyson Berry and his comments and whatnot, where he was saying, like, we're just going to be playing our game and we're going to be seeing a lot more of this. It's easy to take those comments and sandwich them into the context that you want them to fit, where the players hated Mike Babcock. so that's it's probably it's probably not the case right it's probably not the case i'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt there uh Mm. just because i don't want to be too hard on the guy that just got fired yeah but also i think we should move on now and talk about sheldon keith because i mentioned that arizona game and i mean come on my boy how would you there's no better way there's no better way to start your NHL career behind the bench with a game like that. Everyone's harping on Tyson Berry. They need to get this guy going. He's asked he, he didn't specifically ask for a trade, but it's been talked about in the media and whatnot that maybe yeah. he would uh like one because he is in a contract here and stuff like that. You know, Sheldon Keith lets the boys do what the boys do. Tyson Berry jumps up in the rush and scores with between the hash marks and it's just like Colorado Avalanche fans have been talking to us and telling us this is what Tyson Berry is. That's what he does best. And then I don't mean to jump ahead a little bit, but just talking about Tyson Berry, he scored again tonight against his former team, and he scored that goal right in front of the net. So it's just like if Tyson Berry is best being a fourth forward out there, then that's what he's got to do. That's what you got to do. Sheldon Keith steps in, gets that guy going right away. And I don't know about you, Andrew. That Arizona game was dominant start to finish for the yeah. Maple Leafs.
0: Yeah, the, the biggest thing I noticed was the speed. The first thing that, like, the first thing I noticed was the speed. Then the second thing I noticed early on was the Leafs' new way of not dumping the puck into a zone and you know instead they were holding on to the puck and sheldon Keefe really likes you know the team instead of dumping it if you have the opportunity to bring it back and then get a change give it to your defenseman that's already changed like little things like that i was noticing of course the defensive pairings he was mixing it up a little bit he started riley and barry to start the game uh to just give him that confidence put him on the first power play uh unit but of course we didn't get to see a power play there the penalty kill There was three penalties the Leafs took. They killed all of them and had a shorthanded goal with uh, a guy that he threw over the bench, Pierre Angval, former Marley, got his first NHL goal. And, like, everything he was doing was working. You've seen the smirk behind the bench after the Barry goal and the Angval goal. Uh, Matthews got one in Arizona. Like, it just seemed like a perfect night. Everybody was moving fast. The team looked really good. All the defensemen were able to pinch instead of having guys like Barry or even CeCe like Cody CeCe is not a big bruising defensive defenseman the guy likes to move around with the puck sometimes he gives it up sometimes he doesn't it's a hit and miss but guess what he got he got to do what he wanted he got to go and, and fly around with the puck and uh, to be honest with you he didn't look half bad he held on to the puck he did his thing and there were some there were some screw-ups but that's going to happen when you're a run and gun team and I've been saying this for a long time and I'm sure you have as well you know, a lot of Leaf fans take a lot of flack for this by, you know, fans saying they need to be tough or they need to play this style of game, but they weren't built like that. And, it, you know, there's been so many examples, but it's like, you have a Maserati, why are you making it like a Prius? You know what I mean? You have all these guys, and again, no disrespect to Prius, uh, you can sponsor us one day if we get big enough, Could you imagine <laughs> that? But. Uh, but Maserati, we just complimented you, so come on. <laughs> Could you imagine, bro? Yeah, I, mean, most, I mean, I mean, I mean, podcast ever.
1: You'll, ne- you'll, you'll never, get it if you don't ask. So yeah, exactly. Just, you just exactly. It out Maserati,
0: there. can we have two? <laughs> um, anyways, um, <laughs> but,
1: but they, they just played good. They looked
0: fun, like they were having fun, and that's what I wanted to see. This brought me back. And and I always use this as an example. The Leafs lost that series against the Capitals in the playoffs a few years ago, but they were having fun. They were out there playing their game, and that was a Babcock team. But then all of a sudden, he switched it up on everybody and tried them to play a new style of game, and it wasn't working. They need to play run-and-gun, fast-paced hockey, and Sheldon Keefe is giving them the keys to do that.
1: But also to your point, like you're saying a lot of people uh, were complaining about the main police not being physical enough, not being gritty enough. You don't have to be in along the boards to show toughness, right? There's parts of uh, sports and life in general uh, half of it is um, being half half of it is, you know, physically being there and, and be, being physical in the case of hockey, but it's also the mental side of things as well. It's how you respond to being scored on. It's how you respond after you score a goal. It's how you respond after getting hit. And I know that uh, Mike Babcock or Kyle Dubas saying that our enforcer is our power play is really lame in the eyes of a lot of people because the power play sucked for such a long time but if that power play gets back to being what it is i don't really mind that statement too much because it's a great way to respond you know pouring it on offensively um skating hard um you know it's all of those things um go hand in hand with Playing in along the boards and throwing big hits and whatnot it's all toughness all into one yeah and i mean
0: a lot of people say the Leafs lack grit and and stuff with that and like they don't have guys that are willing to throw hits but like mckeyev the other day went and pushed ryan reeves in the back of the head and i thought oh my god this guy's literally the the dumbest guy out there like why are you hitting ryan uh, reeves it's just like because Guess what? It's a hockey game, and he and he is a little gritty. You got guys like Zach Hyman. He's not afraid to hit and get in there. Trevor Moore, Kesberry, Kapanen, even once in a while gets in there. Mm-hmm. Kerfoot's not afraid to throw some hits, even though his one against his former team on on uh, Eric Johnson was is not exactly the best hit. But you know, there's guys that will get in there and be a little gritty. Jake Muzzin, like they're not like a team that's just gonna lay down they've got guys that can hit i believe they had the same amount of hits as colorado tonight uh 17 apiece or something like that like they're they're not an overly soft team either like they just they play with skill that's their game and if like you said if this power play gets going then they don't need to fight back because guess what oh buddy check the scoreboard we're about to score another goal like that's what it's about you need to score goals to win and uh you know, people are like, oh, the Leafs are really missing Komarov and Martin. It's like, guys, no, they're not. Those guys were overpaid. They don't do. They're not effective. Like those guys are not out here running the Islanders. They're not. They're they've been injured for most of the season. They're they're out there throwing hits and taking themselves out of the play. I'm not saying that hitting is is always going to take you out of the play, but if you watch them play. Leo Komarov and Matt Martin in their last seasons as Leafs were out there taking themselves out of plays and putting the Leafs in bad positions. So uh, I am i don't want to talk too much on, on the whole physicality thing, but this Leafs team is built the way that Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas wanted to be built, and they're going to continue to get better. Like, I really do believe that now that they're, they're playing a fast-paced style, it's just going to get better from here.
1: Right. The players acquired by Kyle Dubas are finally being used as... He intended to when making the trade, right? If you're not gonna let Tyson Berry be that rover, then he has no value, right? You gotta let him be able to do the things that he's good with, right? That's it. Sounds yeah. it sounds overly. It sounds really, really simple when when you say it like that. But believe me, the first twenty or so games in Toronto didn't make much sense. Um, so things like and that need quick, to be said. I,
0: I don't want to cut you off, but like this is literally just a message to people that thought myself and other people were ridiculous for saying that Babcock was the problem with Tyson Berry. He was the problem.
1: No, literally 100%.
0: Like he was the problem. He was telling Tyson Berry to reinvent himself and telling him to to sit on the blue line and not do anything. It's like, guys, that that's not that's not how you coach. Like I'm I'm not a genius. I'm not a coach in the NHL, but it it does not take uh, you know a goddamn NHL head coach to realize that Tyson Barry is not supposed to sit back. He's supposed to join the rush and like you said, be a rover, the fourth forward. Mike Babcock almost ruined Tyson Barry. Like, I can't believe I'm literally saying that. Like, he almost
1: ruined him. I gave my dad the example the other day, and I said, Dad, let's say, let's just say in this wild example, you're really good at digging holes. And then all of a sudden, someone one day asks you, okay, now you're no longer going to dig the holes, you're going to start filling them in. And then they come back later on and say, well, you did a really bad job filling in the hole. And then you tell – and then you look up to them and say, well, yeah, I'm not good at filling in the holes. I'm good at digging the holes. So why don't I dig the holes? And they say, nope, you're going to fill them in. It just – it doesn't make any sense to put someone in a position um, where they're going to struggle. And again, that goes – I'm not – like maybe on the last episode of the podcast, we didn't criticize Kyle Dubas enough. It goes hand in hand with the backup situation as well. You know, maybe Kyle Dubas hasn't acquired um, the best talent to play the backup position, but Mike Babcock wasn't doing him any favors um, by throwing them out there exclusively in the second half of a back-to-back or in the second half of a back-to-back against the division rival. I still can't believe Michael Hutchison played against Boston that one game. Yeah, and
0: there's also a thing called confidence. Uh, I played goalie for like 11 or 12 years. And again, I have to remind you, I did not play in the NHL, but I did play on very good traveling teams. And I played on, you know, some poor traveling teams. And the thing was, is like, I didn't start every game because we had two goaltenders. We, we usually split the time. But there were times where we had to make a decision on, you know, who was going to play what game or whatever but regardless of that it's like if if a goalie has a really poor game it already messes with their head and a lot of goalies will say no i don't let it get the best of me this that and the other but let me tell you right now it does it, it really does mess with you because all you can think about is oh my god that's the fourth goal they've scored on me and it's only a midway through the first period like something's gonna happen like uh you know it's gonna be 12 nothing by the end of the next period like i'm freaking out like goalies you have to find a way to calm yourself and the, and the thing is is if a coach keeps throwing you to the wolves every game and you're getting fed to top teams it's like w- what am I doing here the coach the coach keeps throwing me to these top to these top teams when I know I can beat this other team and we have Freddie Anderson who can beat these other teams and and people think oh you're ridiculous for thi- for thinking that but people want to win like they know the backup goalie knows he's not as good as Freddie Anderson that's why he's the backup. So clearly he even knows, hey, man, I probably shouldn't be playing in this game, but I'm going to do my best to win this game. Like Hutchinson didn't really think that he was going to just sweep all these amazing teams. He was going to try because guess what? Hutchinson's an NHL goaltender. Not anymore, but he was. And when you constantly throw a guy to the wolves, it messes with their their mental state. And it it throws them off. And I think that that was the problem with Babcock throwing his goaltenders in in the bad positions. And it also messed with Freddie probably because he's thinking, man, I want to play these teams. I'm the starting goalie. I want to play against these big teams. I want to get those two points. But he was being fed to, to these other teams. It's like, man, give the goalies the best shot to win. And it didn't happen.
1: So Angie, you spoke about your experiences playing on traveling teams and traveling around a little bit. Maybe let's talk about uh, some other people doing some traveling. Um, It was reported on the broadcast that Doug Armstrong, the general manager of the St. Louis Blues, um, was watching this game in Colorado. Um, against the Maple Leafs, and he's been to a couple of other Maple Leafs games this season, maybe doing some scouting and whatnot. So we're not gonna try to make a connection between the two teams, but there you know the trade the trade deadline is coming up um, soon. I mean we're in we're in November and whatnot, and the trade deadline is still a little bit ways away. But watching teams, uh, I think teams have been able to identify their weaknesses and their strengths. Uh, Twenty five or so games into the season where you start to look at these things now um we were talking about before the show got underway about some players that maybe the maple Leafs could look to trade maybe not necessarily at the deadline this year maybe at the draft in the offseason you know because the leafs are pretty locked in in terms of the salary cap and whatnot but they got a couple of guys on some team-friendly deals that aren't making a lot of money that could be worth something Andrew, I'm gonna let you maybe talk about this a little bit now. Yeah, so first off, I would just like
0: to say I think the St. Louis Blues have been following the Leafs around because they believe that the Leafs could be a team that would let go of some players to potentially move down the standings. I think that the blues figure that the Leafs might want to unload some people to uh, try not not rebuild, but like to retool a couple things. Uh, so they weren't going after you know a guy in in the miners th- and especially since they were constantly looking at them, I think they were waiting for the Leafs to make a big move and to be on top of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's not forget that there was a proposed deal apparently that uh when the Nylander stuff was going on that Petrangelo was offered up for William Nylander. Uh that was a while ago obviously but that was something that was being discussed and that was brought up by pretty significant sources. I believe it was Elliot Freeman that said that don't quote me on it, but there was talk between the teams and it was regarding Nylander. So maybe they were circling back to that, obviously not for Petrangelo, but for something else, probably a prospect, a defensive prospect, something around there. But I would, if you're a Leaf fan, The Leafs want to turn it around right now, and I don't believe that there's any sort of connection between the two teams, if I was guessing. But
1: also, not to completely kill the idea of there not being a connection there, but the St. Louis Blues are sitting first place in the Central Division right now. But in years past, they have traded away significant pieces, even though they were in a playoff spot. They did it with Paul Stasny a couple of seasons ago. They did it with Kevin Shattenkirk a couple of years ago. So maybe if... They really are struggling to sign Alexander Petrangelo or Alex Petrangelo. Maybe you know it's not it's not completely out of the question. St. Louis has done this before, so no, so not to completely kill the segment or country, but but that that has, that has that has happened.
0: They are. I think that he's just too good for them to to want to do anything. Like I, I he's such an important piece for them. I just can't see them moving him. Like. Uh, I, I don't know i think that they really like their team right now and if anything they would add to it i really can't see them moving on from, from petrangelo especially if they're going for another stanley cup like they look really good right now so um i wouldn't i wouldn't put it past them if they were just scouting to see if the leafs were were gonna pack it in but before we started this we were talking about the potential uh roster when the leafs you know are full fully healthy now we expect Moore is probably going to be back pretty soon. Trevor Moore, I would think there mm-hmm. hasn't been a ton of news on him, but we're hoping he's back soon. Uh, then, of course, Mitch Marner, the the big one, that would take away two roster spots. Now, you there's been some rumors, of course, with the Spetsa stuff, but he's been playing better as of late, and I'm sure Sheldon Keefe wants to give him a go uh, with where he is. Timoshov has has sat, a, you know, a couple games now. Uh, I'm not sure what they're going to do with him, but he would be an obvious choice if they wanted to move away from him. Maybe even sure, you know, Engvall could go back down. Uh, but what I was suggesting was, is while the Janssen, Matthews, and Nylander line has looked really good, it, it's apparent that Nylander and Matthews could use somebody else on that line instead of Andreas Janssen. And I know that's going to tick off a lot of people. I'm a fan of Andreas Janssen. I like his contract. I think he's doing quite well. But not good enough.
1: See, I was laughing there a little bit. I don't know. I don't know for those listening if you heard me or not, because I thought I thought you were about to suggest uh, trading one person on that janssen Matthews nylander line, and, <laughs> and a lot of a lot of people like to give it to Nylander a lot yeah. of a lot of the times but we're not we're not we're not one of those people. We're not we're not ridiculous. I mean,
0: there's <laughs> no reason to trade William Nylander. He's, you know, we had another point tonight. He's been back-to-back uh, games with an assist. He's he's put up a, a pretty decent number so far to start the year, probably playing quite not as good as we'd like him to, but I think he's played quite well in terms of like the puck possession. Him and Matthews have been playing quite well, and it's only gonna be time until he goes on another one of those runs where he scores a bunch of goals. Like we we know it's coming, and if let's say there's one more guy on that line that could really, really you know give it a go, like I suggested, you know going, I don't want to say it, you know the famous Babcock quote. Uh, welcome back, Mike Babcock, into the conversation, but you know going all in basically. And Lee fans will know the quote, and I don't want to say it because we're not an explicit podcast. But what happens if you put Mitch Marner on that line when he comes back? Okay, there's a po- that would be absolutely insane. But Sheldon Keefe, Keefe Daddy, you know he he's not a he's not opposed to making Keefe some Chief. changes. Keefe Chief. Yeah, Keefe Chief. You know, <laughs> Keefe. Um, but uh, I I like for some reason Keefe Daddy just works. I don't know why, but um, <laughs> anyways, I just love that man. So
1: uh, we were talking about potentially um trading andreas Jonsson. Um, would you before here's
0: I, the thing before i forget this would you attach andreas Jonsson to cody cc and go after somebody or what like what would you do man because think about that that clears up like what six six and a half million seven million dollars
1: i'm not of the mindset of adding a good asset to a poor asset just to get rid of the poor asset but so what if like, it
0: brings you a defenseman? Like what happens if it's like a Janssen, Bracco and CC for like a defenseman?
1: See like it it'd be tough cuz that that it would be hard to say no to. I you would have to you would have to get specific names in there for me to really um
0: Well what are what are some teams it. that are struggling right now? Like we've got what? Minnesota. Minnesota's uh,
1: got n- Minnesota, LA. But they just signed Jared Spurgeon, did they not? Yes, they did.
0: So you would kind of maybe take him out of that conversation. Although I wonder if they would turn back and be like, "Hey, maybe we could get Jared Spurgeon." I don't know if that could work. No, um, he wait,
1: he makes way too much money. But there's oh yeah, he did get overpaid. I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, like seven and a half million for the next. Oh seven, yeah, maybe years. not Jared
0: Spurgeon. Scratch that. Um,
1: but there's but there's a couple of forwards on the team that might be a little bit redundant. So there's Andreas Jonsson. There's Kasperi Kapanen, and there's Alexander Kerfoot. All the players, they're all wingers. Kerfoot plays center a little bit. Some of them have a little bit uh, different strengths and whatnot, like Kapanen uh, kills penalties. Uh, Kerfoot's on the second power play. Janssen was on the first power play for a little bit. If you had to trade... One of those guys because they all have very similar contracts and whatnot, and maybe we can get into this a little bit more next episode talking about the cap crunch for next season. But I mean, when we see guys like Pierre Engvall, there's guys like Jeremy Bracco, um, in the AHL. Um, Ilya Mikheyev is going to need a new contract at the end of this season. There's lots of depth, and there's nothing wrong with having depth. Um, but if there's a defenseman available for a Janssen if there's a hockey trade to be made um, for Andreas Janssen then or a Kasperi Kapanen or a Kerfoot which one would you rather part ways with
0: well I think Kapanen's filled into his role quite nice the last few games so I th- I would take Kapanen off that list although before I was I was quite certain he would get traded to be honest Um then, then it's the next guy is Kerfoot that you mentioned. I honestly think Kerfoot's been playing pretty decent as well, so I, I don't even think I would take him away. Uh, I think Andreas Janssen's the guy just because he is playing with Matthews and Nylander, so teams might look at that and be like, okay, he's playing with Austin Matthews, a guy who puts up a ton of points, and he's, you know, he's doing well. He's just not doing good enough for the Leafs right now, I think. Uh, good enough in terms of... Him not being expendable because the Leafs know that they can insert somebody else there that could play probably just as good, if not better than him which could be, who knows, maybe they they do try Mitch Marner, Matthews, and and Nylander for a couple games just to see, you know what I mean? Or they put Hyman there again just to give another guy that can get them the puck, a Trevor Moore who's quick and can get them the puck, and also pot a couple in every once in a while. You could go with a McKayev. You never know. Like, the Leafs have a bunch of options. I think Jantzen actually could get you an asset. You brought up uh, Jeremy Bracco. I happen to be part of the group that thinks he'll never be a Leaf. Uh, I honestly don't know. I I honestly think he's getting traded. Like, I can't see a world in which he is a Leaf. The reason why I'm saying that is because he has value. A lot of people look at him as a guy who's a really good playmaker, who is obviously dominant on the power play. Tell me where Jeremy Bracco fits in on the Leafs power play plans. Like, if the first power play next year is the exact same, which we know it probably will be, like, where is Jeremy Bracco getting any power play time if that's his strength?
1: Well, Jeremy Bracco was getting a lot of talk um, while the Maple Leafs were in the midst of the um, struggling in their six-game losing streak and being really terrible on the power play. Um, he was getting a lot of talk there, but obviously now with Keith coming in and things changing, um, I I think I think it wouldn't it wouldn't be wise to switch up the personnel just right now. So I don't think Jeremy Bracco. Um, is is relevant to the conversation right now but he's got 14 points in 16 games so far in the ahl i don't know if that's updated for the game that took place on saturday night or not i'm just reading it off of cap friendly um but if you're putting jeremy brocco in the lineup like we were talking about earlier you have to put players in a position to succeed um, when you do have them on your team, so in order for Jeremy Bracco to succeed, he's going to be needing top six minutes, and he's going to be needing time on the power play, and there just isn't room for that on the Maple Leafs' top power play. And to have or him, or the top six, like or, he's slow and can't play defense. And he also plays the right side too, right? And that right side has Nylander and Marner on it, and now Zach Hyman. Um, I don't, I don't know how long Zach Hyman on the right side will last. They'll probably switch him back over to the left side after Mitch Marner gets back um, from his high high ankle sprain. Um, but just, there's just not enough room for Jeremy Bracco in there, and I was actually thinking about doing a video on him and what his future um, entails. Um, but it's just it doesn't there doesn't really seem to be a fit with Toronto, and it's unfortunate to have a player that I believe led the AHL in scoring last year or was second. He had 79 points, in 75 games, 22 goals, 57 assists um, yeah. to just sit on your AHL team and do nothing with. And like we were talking about the um, the trade deadline and stuff like that, he could be um, a piece or an asset. I mean, the joke was... For a while, it was Jeremy Bracco, Andrew Nielsen, and a second-round pick can fetch the thing fetch the Toronto Maple Leafs what they need. Uh, but seriously, Jeremy Bracco in a in a package deal or Jeremy Bracco by himself could fetch the Leafs um, something of value. Yeah, I mean
0: you you don't look at those numbers and think okay, well this guy won't get you anything. Like he actually could get them something decent, like at least a prospect at his same level like a defensive prospect at his same level would be probably something the Leafs would be interested in but I honestly like people always say oh no it's like a video game trade but like let's say you actually attach Janssen and like with Bracco like you put those two pieces together that's not like a bad ed- offer ed- for the, a lot of ed- teams the
1: Edmonton Oilers would die for for Andreas Janssen or Jeremy Bracco <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to have to have two wingers like that
0: Yeah, it's just you have to get something back that the Leafs would need. And I think that the Leafs at this point know that they have a lot of guys that can score on that blue line. I think it is time that they're really going to, you know, make a move for a guy that can play defensive. Uh, that defensive style, like I, I think of a guy like Savard on Columbus, like that guy can play defense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I wonder if the Leafs could pry him away from Columbus. Like you offer them a and Bracco package, like I can't see how they're far off. Like I, I don't even know if that's even fair value for the Leafs at that
1: point. But also, I mean, for for the Toronto Maple Leafs, it's very unlikely for them to trade a player off of their roster in the middle. Like you you don't you don't want to subtract or move laterally going into the playoffs. But uh, so maybe I, so, I so maybe Andreas. That. I don't think Andreas Janssen would be an in-season trade. I think that would be more something geared towards uh, the draft, where you're getting back future assets, you're cl- clearing off uh, cap space, um, or something in the off-season in some sort of a hockey trade.
0: See, but I think that's even uh, an even worse move, though, if you're just using him to clear cap space. Like I, I'm I don't care what anybody says, like whatever it takes to get rid of Cody Cece, if you can bring back a defenseman that's better than him, you do it. Like if that means you attach Jeremy Bracco to him to remove that, that cap hit, I'm sorry. I, I'm doing that in a heartbeat. That's four and a half million dollars that the Leafs could use for something else. And I don't want the Leafs to be one of these teams that are, are a good team that are going into the trade deadline with zero cap space. Now I don't. I think a lot of people would disagree with that, and I also think a lot of people think that the Leafs are in trouble. Like they're never going to be able to clear cap space. They actually have a decent amount of space next year that people are just ignoring for some reason, uh, because again, recency bias. A lot of people have that problem. But the Leafs need to to get another defenseman, and I really do believe that it's got to happen at the deadline. And Cody Ceci, to me, I think he if he goes and if you know you get rid of a guy like andreas johnson for another defenseman i think that this leafs team would be in a better position like I, I keep bringing it up to people and again this could be something that could be brought up in another podcast but if the devils continue to suck i wonder if there's a way that the leafs can acquire wayne simmons not out of, at retained retained because to, he's got five million dollars
1: not to throw that point completely out the window but i've just just to go back on trading andreas johnson at the draft Andrew Shaw was a guy that was traded from Chicago to Montreal at the draft in 2016, and uh, the Montreal Canadiens paid the 39th selection in the 2016 draft and the 45th selection in the 2016 draft. Can you care to take a guess at who was drafted 39th overall in 2016? Alex Brinkett. The Montreal Canadiens traded the pick that the Blackhawks used to draft... Alex to bring it. That's not going to happen Shaw. every time. No, 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 it's not going to happen every time. But just would you trade two, two early to mid second round picks for Andreas Jonsson?
0: I mean, I think that he's got a little more value than Shaw, though. Like, does he not? Like that?
1: Maybe, but is that, but is that just Toronto bias? Like, is that just us overvaluing well, our players? Like,
0: look at their points. Like, compare the points. Like, who does Shaw has Shaw had like a twenty goal season?
1: Um, let me, let me just look that up. I'm sorry. Because for the I feel like,
0: guys. I feel like the Leafs at this point have to get defensemen back no matter what trade they make. Like, I honestly believe that that has to happen.
1: Up until that point, Shaw had one 20 goal season with the Blackhawks and a couple like 15, 14 goal seasons. Okay, so fair enough.
0: Then that's probably a decent
1: comparison. But to, to go back, to go back to your Wayne Simmons trade, um, I mean, the devils are a tire fire, uh, this season. They can't get any goaltending. Um, if, I, if I was the Devils, I would hold on as long as I possibly can um, to try to find a solution for that goaltending because you got to hope that if you find that solution for goaltending and that clicks in together, then all your problems are are, are solved and you don't yeah. have to worry about trading away a guy like Wayne Simmons. I mean, why, why stop at Wayne Simmons? The Maple Leafs could acquire Taylor Hall. Um, I think think now we're getting (laughs) delusional. It's past midnight. I think that that's where the podcast
0: is probably going to end because Taylor Hall, oh boy. But I think people are going to listen to this part of the podcast and think we're nuts. But the Leafs are in a position to make a move for a defenseman, regardless of what you, you guys think. They just have to go after somebody that it would have to be creative. They would have to remove some money from their roster. And... I honestly think Columbus now I'm thinking about it. Columbus could be a decent fit for a trade. If you can somehow get Savard from them, he does play a more defensive style of game. And if you paired him up with a guy like Morgan Riley or Jake Muzzin, I mean, I can't see how that's a bad thing, especially if you're able to get rid of Cody Ceci in the process.
1: And again, keeping in mind that um, as you get closer towards the trade deadline, a cap hits are prorated, and teams could retain 50%. So, if you're looking at a guy for the Maple Leafs to to acquire, and he makes three or four million dollars, well, by the time um, the trade deadline rolls around, that three or four million dollars is really one and a half for. Or two million dollars, and then you get into the realm of retaining fifty percent. And the Maple Leafs really only need like seven hundred and fifty k or a million dollars to acquire that player on the cap. But there still needs there still needs to be money moving moving out because I don't think the Maple Leafs even have that much cap space yeah and that's
0: and that's why i said if you if you find a way if you just find a way to move out cody cc and get a defenseman at well, like two and a well, half well,
1: well you see okay i I, th- I think it would be unfair to crap on cody cc after the game no it's just because tonight, but just it's but just, just because
0: his money is is too much like i yeah, if cody okay, cc was fair. only making two million dollars i wouldn't care but that's, he's making four that and a was, half
1: that was the same gripe with nikita zaitsev if
0: yeah, he was that, making like, two million dollars hates-
1: no one would have cared
0: We don't really hate Cody Ceci. We hate the number that's beside him. Too much money. Cody Ceci needs less minutes and less money. But guess what? That's not happening. So, well, with Sheldon Keefe, we don't know. He could get less minutes as time goes on. I mean, he just started coaching them. But again, we're getting too far. I think that we can talk, you know, more about trades and stuff as the games go on. And who knows? I mean, the Leafs apparently have been talking to a lot of teams about a, a bunch of different players. So... We'll have to see what happens, but I don't know if you've got anything else to say or if not, you can uh, wrap this puppy up.
1: Um, no, I guess I guess that's everything. So for all past, present, and future Leaf fans, this is the present day Leafs podcast. My name is Downtown Stephen Brown. That's that's I'm
0: I'm me. (laughs) That's
1: the that's that's the guy that wants a trade
0: to happen still.
1: (laughs) Um, thank you so much for listening and take care.